0: Let's welcome Frisco LifePoint, okay? Let's give it up for them this morning. <laughs> Frisco, proud of you. This uh, past Friday, uh, we participated with Phillips Creek Ranch HOA, and it was supposed to be kind of close to the hospice elementary school that we were in, but because of the rain, they moved it to a high school in Frisco, and we We're allowed to be there as a church. We passed out literature, and we're building relational bridges with that community. And so that is a go, God. Let's give it up for Frisco for doing that too, okay? Wow. Well, we're in a series entitled The Call, and we've been looking at five callings God has on your life, the five purposes, the five reasons, the five assignments that God has for you. The word call is used over a 100 different times in the New Testament. It is used 10 times more than the word purpose. The word purpose and calling really are the same, okay? Several weeks ago, we took a look at our first calling, which may have been a shock, in that you have not been called to be a worker or a, 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 a warrior for God or a soldier or a slave. Rather, you have been called to be a receptacle. Your first calling is just to be loved by God because God made you to love you. The second calling is that you are called to belong, to belong to His family, to the body of Christ, to the family of God, to the local church. Last week we took a look at our third calling, which is to become. God wants you to grow up, He wants you to take off your spiritual diapers and put on your big boy and big girl pants. This week, we're gonna take a look at the fourth calling, which is that you have been called to bless, to bless other people. How do you do that? When you serve them, and that may be physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, it may be financially. There are literally hundreds of different ways that you can serve other people. When you serve others, you are actually blessing them. So will you write this down? The fourth purpose of my life is God shaped me to serve him. And will you circle the word shaped? I'm not going to talk about that because I've talked about this before, but God has uniquely shaped you with five different elements. The acrostic is shape S-H-A-P-E, you have a spiritual gift, you have a heart or passions, you have abilities, you have a personality, and you have experiences. Those five things make you you, and those things are how you serve other people in a unique way. Take a look at Ephesians chapter two and verse 10. We are God's workmanship. Will you circle that word, workmanship? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It says that you are God's workmanship. In the Greek, that word is poema. It's where we get the word poem. He's saying, Paul is saying there, that you are God's poem, that you are God's unique masterpiece, that you are God's unique piece or, or work of art. There is nobody like you. If you're not going to be you, guess what? Who is? You are you. And God created you to be you so that you could contribute to a unique work. And that good work is called your service. It's called ministry. It's called blessing in the way you help other people. You weren't here just to take up space. You weren't here just to eat, breathe, and die. No, God put you to make a unique contribution with your life that will contribute to other people's well-being. And that is called ministry. Another word for ministry is serving. The word servant and minister are the same word in the Bible. The fact is, we're all to be servants and ministers. We're not all called to be pastors. I'm a pastor, okay? And my job as a pastor, according to God's word, is to administrate the ministers. If someone ever asks you, hey, how many ministers does LifePoint have? You can tell them we have 2,800 plus because every member is a minister. We've all been, we are not all pastors, but we have all been called to ministry, And so will you write this down? My life calling is to be a bivocational minister of Jesus Christ. Now, what do I mean by bivocational? Simply this, it's like bifocals. When you get glasses my age, they they don't call them bifocals anymore. They call them progressives, right? Right? It's just a rewording of the same thing. But, but when you get bifocals, you can see two things at the same time. You can see far off and you can see close up. You can see both with clarity. When you are a bivocational minister of Jesus Christ, it means that it, it means that no matter what you do in life, you do it for two reasons. For the glory of God and for the good of others. Whether you are a truck driver, these are the people that I r- ran into when I wrote this message several weeks ago truck drivers, attorneys, janitors, hospice workers, homemaker, teacher, deal maker, accountant, and court reporter. Folks, it doesn't matter what you do in the way of a job or a career. If you are a follower of Christ, you do it for two reasons for the glory of God and to help other people. Everything that I do as a follower of Jesus Christ, I do to, for the glory of God and to help others. I am as well a bivocational minister of Jesus Christ. Will you read this verse out of Colossians 3 verse 17? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It says, whatever you do, that it can be a ministry or a blessing. If you honor God and you do it for the well-being or the good of others, you can take out the trash as a ministry. Dave, you can change diapers as a ministry. Mark, you can clean the family room for a minute as a ministry. Bob, you can walk an old lady across the street as a ministry. You can make a deal as a ministry. You can be an accountant as a ministry if you do it for the glory of God and the good of others. And let me add one more, three. If you do it with the right motive. Will you write this down? Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when I do it out of love for God. Menial tasks become meaningful tasks when I do it out of love for God. And so whatever I do can become a part of your ministry or my ministry. Everything can become significant. Really? Are you kidding me, Pastor No, I'm not. Not at all. Let's just say this. A lot of business people here. A lot of meetings, aren't there? A lot of worthless meetings that go on in corporate America, okay? A lot of different meetings that Aren't very Well, never mind, I won't go down that road to church either, okay? Let's just say this. You're at a meeting. You're in the conference room. You've been in there one or two hours. After it's over, everybody leaves, and you're still there. And you see on the conference table everything imaginable to mankind. Coffee cups, donut crumbs, napkins, papers, you name it, it's there. After everyone's left, you decide... You know what? I'm going to clean up the conference room. It's not my job, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it for the glory of God and to help out others. Guess what? You just accomplished ministry. And God will notice it, and he will reward you. You see, something that we oftentimes forget about is simply this, that our calling to salvation and our calling to service occurred at the same time. When you became a believer, you weren't just saved. You were also called to serve, to make a difference with your life. That is why at LifePoint, we say this, every member is a minister. Everybody has a ministry. Take a look At Galatians 1:15. God in his grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. Will you circle that phrase? You have been called to serve. The fourth purpose in your calling is that you have been shaped to serve. You have been made for ministry. You have been called to bless, to bless other people. So what happens? What happens when you begin to understand this fourth calling on your life? What happens when you begin to focus from self to others? What happens when you begin to focus from, you know what, it's all about me, to it's all about serving as many people as I can? Well, there are four things that you want most in life that become available to you when you begin to understand and implement your fourth calling. And the first one is this, when I serve others unselfishly for the glory of God, the good of others, and with the right motive, I will create joy in my life. It creates a massive amount of joy. Most people are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Most people are looking for happiness in pleasure and power and possession, in position, popularity, and prestige. But success doesn't bring satisfaction. Sex doesn't bring satisfaction. Salary doesn't bring satisfaction. Uh, Status doesn't bring satisfaction. Folks, all of those things and even more are temporary. Permanent ongoing joy comes not from sex, salary, or status. You know what it comes from? It comes from service. It comes from giving your life away to others. That's when joy floods in to your heart. Now, why is that the case? Because God wants you to be like him. You see, most people don't understand what I would call the two secrets of joy. So let me give them to you. The first secret of joy is this. Get the focus off myself. The more you focus on you, the more miserable you're going to be. It is no accident that the word miserable and miser <laughs> come from the same root word, okay? You have got to shift your focus from inward, it's all about me, to outward. It's all about God and others. When you do that, you know what happens? That is counterculture. Because everything, everything that goes on in our culture is this, it's all about you, baby. It's all for you, on and on and on. But when we begin to give our life away and help other people, the more joy is going to flow into our life. A great example of this is the Apostle Paul, okay? Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, look at this. My life is being poured out as a part of the sacrifice and service I offer to God for your faith. Yet I am filled with joy, and I share that joy with all of you, You see, it is a fact of life that the most helpful people are oftentimes the most happy people. Will you write this down? Helpful equals happy. If you want to be happy, you've got to be a helper. And the more helpful you are, the happier you will be. The more self-centered you are, the more unhappy you will be. It's just the way God wired the universe Joy will flood into your soul when you begin to give your life away. Take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. Always be joyful, or always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all that you do. Notice how Paul pairs up uh, uh, joy with joy. unselfishness and, and consideration. If you are inconsiderate and you are selfish, you will not be filled with joy. On the other hand, if you are considerate and you are unselfish, you will be filled with joy. He goes on and he t- talks about this. I love this translation out of the message in Philippians 2, four. Forget about yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Now, I'm going to be up front with you about our culture, and it is this. If you lack joy in your life, start serving now. Start to find a place where you can volunteer to give your time away where you are not paid for it. If there is nothing that you are doing on a weekly basis... where where it's benefiting other people and you are not being paid for it, you are living a very self-centered lifestyle. God did not put you and I on planet Earth to be selfish little clods. No, he put us here so that we could give our life away to others. The second secret of joy is this, and will you write this down? It's when I use my gifts to help others. When you use the gifts that God has given you, and he has given you gifts, when you get the spirit, you get gifts. Not only that, when you were born, you were given certain abilities. And when you begin to use those gifts, those abilities, your personality, your experiences, your your passions, okay, for other people, you know what happens? You begin to feel good. There are times I watch the Oscars. I'm not much into pop culture anymore, okay? I used to be. In fact, my kids tell me, dad, your pop burst about 50 years ago, okay? But anyway, at times I, I pick up and I watch the Oscars, okay? And there will be an actor or an actress that will say this. I was created for this. I was made for this role. That is how you feel when you know you're doing what God has made you to do. There is such a fulfillment in you that it overflows where you say, you know what, I was wired. God wired me for this. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. God has given each of you some special abilities. Remember, he made you to be you. You're unique. You have special abilities with your gift mix. Be sure to use them to make a lot of money. Isn't that what that says? Oh, I'm sorry. That is the, that is the reviled substandard version right out of the pit of hell. It doesn't say that. Well, I can't believe it. Be sure to use them. Oh, to help each other, passing on to others God many, God's many kinds of blessings. Folks, we were created to be a blessing. God blesses you so that you can bless other people. And how do you bless other people? Through your time and your talent. But I don't want to leave this out. And your treasures as well. God wants it all. He wants you to use your time, your talents, and yes, your treasures. Will you pull out from your uh, bulletin, the Beyond Our Walls, Back in January, we as a church says, you know what? We're going to get out beyond our walls. What we're going to do is we're going to raise money, capital money, okay, to bless our community. And we had four big initiatives. Renovate the student center. Start the Frisco campus. Uh, support local and global missions that we're partnering with. And then build a connection center that we can connect the community onto our campus free of charge and we raised over $2 million for that. That's what this is about. Maybe you weren't a part of that. Maybe God would have you be a part. Because this is what we've done. The student center is built, or refurbished. And it is reaching more students for Jesus Christ. Do you remember last week when we talked, Jay shared the calling on his life? in the way of calling him to maturity and helping other people grow. And as a student now, he has up to 80 people at his Bible studies. We have a student ministry that is alive and well in Collin County. And we have refurbished. It's done. State of the art. So students can come in there. Our students will be proud of it and others can come there. But we still have more to go. We have local and global missions. We still have Frisco that we gotta complete. We still have the connection room. But what's done now is the student renovation center, okay? It's done. What could you do? Like I said, if you weren't a part, you can become a part. You can just fill this out, okay? Or here's one. Maybe God has blessed you, and you can accelerate your giving so that we can get the other initiatives to get out beyond our walls done sooner. God says this, I want you to use it all. I want you to use your time, your talents, and yes, I want you to use your treasures as well. The second benefit that we get as we learn to live our lives unselfishly is this, will you write this down? It will improve my relationships. And all of us need that, don't we, okay? Your relationships will get better and better the more you learn how to serve. And that is something that we need to perpetually, constantly be practicing at. Now, why do I say that? Because the root of all relational problems is self-centeredness. Now, there are other issues that lie outside of that, for sure, no doubt about it. But the root is selfishness. I want what I want and when I want it, and you want what you want when you want it, and neither of us are willing to change and give in. I want it my way, and you want it your way, and when that happens, guess what? Conflict arises. I really believe every person in any kind of relationship should memorize Proverbs 13.10. It says this, pride leads to conflict. When you have an ego, you're going to have conflict. When your ego bumps up against my ego, guess what? Sparks begin to fly. When you have an ego, guess what? You don't want to serve other people. You want them to serve you. And when they don't serve you the way you want to be served, bam, fireworks go off. But the more you practice serving, the more you learn to get yourself out of yourself and get the bigger perspective on the calling on your life and begin to serve unselfishly it's going to improve every relationship you have because changed people change relationships. Truly life is a lifelong task of a of lifelong learning on how to be unselfish. Unfortunately, some people never learn that lesson. They go through life as selfish little clods. One of the reasons that God created you was to become like Christ, to be unselfish. Why? Because God is that way. God is a God of love. He doesn't think about himself. God wants you to be like him. So the question is this, how do you and I learn unselfishness? That's really simple. (laughs) You just copy Jesus because he lived an unselfish life. Take a look at Matthew 20, verse 28. Your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. When you take on the attitude of Jesus and you begin to live your life for the benefit of others and for the glory of God with the right motive, when you begin to honor God and and to bless other people, when you begin to be a bivocational minister, two incredible benefits are going to happen in your life. One is that you will become like Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? And number two, you will be more respected, you will be more loved, you will have more friends. Let me put it like this. Will you write this down? Don't try to be interesting. Be interested. Don't try to be interesting. But be interested in other people. Folks, that's how you have a party. Be interested in other people and they will thank the world of you because most people truly only think about themselves. Take a look at Romans 14, verse 18. If you serve Christ in this way, you will please God and be respected by people. Do you want to be respected by people? Then learn how to have a servant's heart. And here's the cool thing as you do that. The more I bless other people, the more God is going to bless me. The more I serve other people, the more God's going to minister to me. The more I just just help other people, the more God's going to help me. Look at Proverbs 11, 25. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. This is the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you reap. Whatever you sow, you get back. And when you sow one seed, guess what? You just don't get back one seed. You get a tree full of seeds. And so if you and I will just understand the fourth calling that God has on our life, it will be a blessing in so many ways that you and I can't even begin to describe them. Truly, when I hear business people tell me, You know, I would really like to get involved in service, but I'm so busy, I just don't have the time to volunteer. Every time I hear that, I think, you know what, you just missed out on God blessing your business. And it saddens my heart. You see, God does not bless selfishness. God would simply say, do you want me to bless your endeavors? than be a giver. I am so excited about the different businesses that have sponsored OutRun Homelessness. Outside the walls, but I'm especially uh, excited about those businesses that are inside the walls. Because not only have they seeked to, to ante up some money to sponsor this thing, but they're also there serving. And I say, go God. And I've seen God bless their businesses. I've seen God bless their careers because they're saying, "You know what? We're going to use what God has given us, this business, not only to bless ourselves and other people that we're hiring, but to bless our community at large and they've gotten involved and served and they've given as well." There's a couple of verses I just love out of Proverbs. I'm a Proverbs guy. I read one every day. Here's one, Proverbs 17:11. You do yourself a favor when you're kind. Isn't that interesting? you do yourself a favor. Proverbs 22, 9, a generous man will, will himself be blessed. If I want God's blessing on my life, folks, I've got to learn to give away my life. If I want better relationships, I've got to start blessing others. The third benefit is, that you get when you serve for the glory of God, the good of others, and you do it with the right motive is this. Will you write this down? Serving others unselfishly will make my life meaningful. The only way that you can find meaning in life is to give your life away. That's how God has wired the universe. Will you write this down? Meaning doesn't come from money. A lot of people think, you know what? If I just get more money, then... I'll, dis- I'll discover my meaning in life. That isn't how it works. you got to go back to your creator. you got to understand that you're first called to, to, to be loved and then called to belong and then called to become and then called to, to bless. I know a number of millionaires in our church. I don't know of any billionaires unless you'd like to stand up and identify yourself right now. But I know a number of millionaires, and I will never forget that one of them took me out and, and, and we had dinner, okay? Or No, it was lunch, we had lunch. And he told me this, money has many good uses. I'll never forget this, money has many good uses. It, it can make life easier. It can give you opportunities. It can open doors. It can save you time. But there is one thing, George, that money cannot give you. I asked him, what is it? Meaning. Jesus said it like this, Mark eight thirty-five. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Will you circle the phrase true life? True life comes by giving your life away. Now knowing this, What should my attitude be towards service? Take a look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. Will you circle a couple of words? Will you circle the word fully? It says give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. That word fully literally in the Greek means not half-hearted, That means you're all in. That means that you jump into the deep end of the pool. You just don't wade out in the little baby and work. No, you jump in and you go for it. If there is a person that I would want to highlight today for us that has discovered her calling in the way of ministry, it would be Gina Lavosi. She is truly an Oscar-winning servant of God. Take a look at her, her story here.
1: As the race director for Outrun Homelessness, it's amazing to me how God's called me into something that lines up with my passions and my skills. I have a heart for the homeless, and God's made me a good organizer. When I was a freshman in high school, I served in my first soup kitchen. I've had a heart for the homeless ever since. When I was in college, I would take sacks of food and deliver them to the homeless people by the campus. I volunteered at Soul Church, And now God is using me to raise funds that serve the homeless shelters right here in Collin County. When your walk lines up with God's will for your life, it's a powerful thing. As OutRun Homelessness is making an impact on our community, it's making an impact on my life as well. I've been through different seasons in my life with God, and when I look back on the times that I've been growing closer to Him, those are the times that I've been serving. A question to ask is what keeps us from doing ministry, from doing God's work for living out his plan and purpose for our life. We might not feel worthy enough. We might not feel good enough or perfect enough. It might be because of how we grew up or past decisions that we've made. But those are lies. God reminds me of his unconditional love, grace, mercy, forgiveness. He meets us right where we're at. He sees our hearts and he knows what we're trying to do. I remember the first few times I heard Pastor George mention the race in church. I felt it so heavy in my heart that I was gonna be involved somehow. So I called the church and I asked what I could do. We started planning, we had our first meeting, the team was formed. God gave me the direction that I needed for his call. It takes a leadership team and a lot of volunteers to pull off a race. And I'm so thankful for the people that God has brought us. I'm thankful for the leadership of this church pointing us in the direction to live beyond our walls, to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk of the true Christian life. They've inspired me. You've probably had a moment like mine. You feel something so heavy on your heart that you're supposed to be a part of. I want to encourage you to talk to God about it. He'll give you the direction that you need. He needs us to do His work. What's God calling you to do?
0: All right. Gina heads up our OutRun Homelessness team, and it takes lots of hours, especially as we get going towards the race. She is an Oscar actress, in my opinion. What's the the unique calling on your life? God would say, go for it. Begin the search. Find it, and then do it with all of your heart. In that verse, in 1 Corinthians 15, circle the word wasted. That word in the Greek means empty, useless, without purpose. God says this, when you do your work with your whole heart in the Lord, it's never wasted. It's never without a purpose. Everything that you do for Christ has a purpose, and it may seem insignificant, and it may not be noticed by other people, but Jesus says this, even if you give a cup of water in my name, it's going to count for eternity. Now, this brings me to the fourth reason What's going to happen if you use your life to serve others and bless or uh, honor God and serve other people? What's going to happen if you switch your focus from yourself to others? What's going to happen if when you begin to switch your focus from our culture to honoring God and serving other people? Well, a number of things are going to happen. You're going to get more joy, you're going to have better relationships. You're going to discover the meaning for your life. And then number four, will you write this down? You will leave a legacy. You will leave a mark. Actually, you will leave two marks, one on earth and one in heaven. You will leave one on earth. Have you ever heard of Al Capone who owned Chicago in the 20s? I'm sure you have. He had a lawyer who did his business for him. His name was Easy Eddie, and he made tons and tons of money helping Al Capone get out of his messes, okay? One day, as his family was growing up, he decided that he didn't want to be a consumer anymore, but rather a contributor, he didn't want to be one who was always just getting, 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 because he was getting a lot. He wanted to be a giver. And so he chose to get out of the mob. He did that for his family. He started fighting against it. He started to being a giver in life. One year later, he was history. Advance to World War II in the South Pacific. There is a Lieutenant Commander Butch who had to leave his squadron as they were on a sortie because he was out of fuel. As his squadron took off way out on and he was coming back to his mother's ship, he was running out of gas. But he saw a squadron of Japanese planes going to come to attack an American fleet. And with low fuel, he went after them. He used up all of his ammunition of a 50-millimeter gun, okay? Shot down five Japanese planes. After that, still low on fuel, was dogfighting in and out of these Japanese planes, trying to clip a wing. He frustrated these Japanese planes so much that they headed off in the other direction. He was the first Navy ace of World War II. One year later he was shot down and killed. Because of his heroism, he was given the Congressional Medal of Honor as the first naval aviator. Now you might ask, what does Easy Eddie have to do with Lieutenant Commander Butch? Well, Lieutenant Commander Butch was Easy Eddy's son. And because Easy Eddie saw his dad have a life change from being a consumer to being a contributor, from being one who just gets, gets, gets to being one who gives, it impacted his life. And he created a legacy. Today, when you go through Chicago Airport you walk through an airport that's called O'Hare. Named after Lieutenant Butch O'Hare. He left a legacy. You see, when you serve, when you begin to give your life away, as a mom or as a dad, you don't know what you're creating. You will leave a legacy on our earth, and you will leave a legacy in heaven. Now, the one on earth is short-term. No ifs, ands, buts about it. It lasts maybe two or three generations, if you are lucky. Today, when people go through O'Hara Airport, guess what? They don't even know the story, do they? And if they were told, they would go, eh, who cares? i got to get to my next flight. But... When you serve on this side of eternity, though it is not remembered on on this side for very long, two, three generations the most, it will be remembered in heaven. And that will go on forever and ever and ever and ever. So I say this, begin to serve. Begin to create a legacy. Uh, Begin to increase your reputation. Take a look at Proverbs 10, 17. Good people will be remembered as a blessing. What is it that you want to be remembered for? When you die, what do you want people to say about you? Hey, you know that person? They really were selfless. They really were generous and kind. They they always were thinking of others. They were always thinking of of their family. They were a model for, for their family and for the community. Or will people say, you know what? All they did was think about themselves. They had their own goals for for themselves, and really, you know what? They didn't really care that much about the family. They just used the family to manipulate them for for his, his or her end. You see, what do you want to be remembered for? The Bible says good people will be remembered as a blessing. The truth of the matter is everybody, I believe this in the bottom of my heart, everybody wants their life to count. Deep down inside, you want your life to know that it's going to count, that it's significant, that it's, that it's purposeful, that it will be great. And truly, there's nothing wrong with greatness, is there? Because even Jesus said, hey, it's okay to be great. In Matthew 20, 26, it says, if you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. You see, the more you and I serve, the more we understand this fourth calling in our life, the greater you're going to be. The more you serve, the greater your influence is going to be. I call that the Mother Teresa syndrome. Mother Teresa went out. We know the story. She went out to the poorest of the poor, those who had no influence at all, the outcasts. There was no one any lower than them. And she began to serve the dying. And as she did that, guess what happened? Her influence started to grow. When she was living she could walk into the United Nations. She could come into the halls of Congress. She could walk into the presidency and you know what happened? People would listen to her. If you want to be great, you must learn to be the servant of all. Meaning you got to scramble to the bottom and there's nothing that you would wouldn't do to lift up even the lowest of the low. It's interesting to me as I've been in Dallas every now and then about once a year they have a big leadership convention with all these big speakers coming in down in the American Airlines Center. It it can be titled, you know, leadership uh, seminar and the place is packed. You can't find a seat in the place. But I wonder if they entitled it servant seminar, what would happen? No one would show up. If you teach about how to really be a servant and and the benefits of it, no one would show. You can go on Amazon and you will find 500 books on leadership to every one about serving. What's my point? We as a culture have got it wrong. Our leadership has got it wrong. We've turned things upside down. Instead of scrambling to the bottom to lift up others, we are crawling to the top to have power and prestige and position. And God says, You got it wrong. But you may sit here and you may think, Well, if I do that, no one will see it. God will. When you clean that conference room as a business guy, God will see it, and he will reward you. Take a look at Hebrews 6.10. God is fair. He will not forget the work you did and the love you showed for him by helping his people, and he will remember that you are still helping them. And then Jesus makes this promise in John 12. My Father will honor anyone who serves me. And so I say this. If you want to leave a legacy, you better start serving others unselfishly. You've heard me say this before, that the greatest use of your life is to invest your life into something that's going to outlast it, that you have one of three options in life. You can spend your life, you can use your life, or or you can waste your life, you can spend your life, or you can invest your life. Truly, the best use of your life is to invest it in those things that are going to outlast it. And there's only two things on this side of eternity that are going to last forever. God's word and people. And so I say this. Build your life around God's word. Sign up for that Christian Netflix thing. Get involved in community and Bible studies. Build your life around God's word. And then build your life around people and serving them. You and I are bivocational ministers of Jesus Christ for the glory of God and for the good of others and done out of an attitude and motive of love. Let's pray. Lord, you're awesome. You have designed this thing called the call our purpose in life so well you've weaved it together so so well that it just resonates within us we know deep down inside that we are to be loved we know that we are to belong to belong to a family we see this in everyday life with our own families and our place in the family we, we know that we, we are called to not just be in diapers but to grow up to be mature and even in the family God we know that we have our place that we're not just there to be served by mom and dad and all the rest of the family members no we are there to serve them and together to serve others outside the family God you have designed this so well I thank you for that may this resonate in our hearts that as we leave this place with the two eyes that we have in our heads, that we would see and understand that we are bivocational, that we do all that we do for your glory and for other people's good. And may our motive be pure. May it be one based on love because of the love that you've poured in on us from the very beginning. And so God, we give you this work in our life, work in our church, work through our lives, work through our church for you. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.